Welcome to Be Set Free, the radio outreach of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Be Set Free features the teaching ministry of Pastor Nick Cady. Pastor Nick's desire is to bring the gospel into our lives so we can experience the joy and freedom that can only be found through Jesus. Today's message comes from our series, Vision, in which we look at visions in the Bible in order to discern God's vision for different areas of our lives. Here's Pastor Nick. How will you respond? How will you respond? These guys, it says that they immediately left their nets and followed him. They left their nets and followed him, and as a result, their lives are transformed and their destinies are changed. Now, let me, let me show you another example. Come with me to the book of Genesis, chapter 12. Abraham, if you ever heard of him, he's also kind of a big deal. Abraham in Genesis, chapter 12, starting in verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Here's what we know about Abraham at this point in his life. He was an elderly man married to a barren woman, and he was a pagan. He was a pagan. We're told that in Joshua chapter 24, that Abraham was a pagan. So God shows up, and he gives this couple, these people, he gives them a very different vision for their lives, of what their future can be like. His vision for them is not that they will just be barren pagan people forever. He says, no, I want to make you a father and a mother of a great nation. And through you, I want to bless all people in the world. But there's a contingency. There's something that has to happen in order for that to take place. They have to go. That's the contingency. Go. You have to respond by following God's instructions and doing what God tells you to do. So when God looks at Abraham and Sarah, he doesn't just see a pagan old man and a barren old woman. No, he sees who they could become. He saw a patriarch and a matriarch. He saw the model of what it looks like for the rest of time, of what it looks like to walk with God in a relationship. And Abram ends up becoming the only man in the entire Bible who's given a particular distinction. Three times in the Bible, Abraham is called the friend of God. In Isaiah, God actually calls him Abraham, my friend. So it's not like people are putting that on Abraham. God said, no, no, no. That guy, he's my friend, Abraham. And notice this, God's vision for Abraham's life wasn't just about Abraham. That's the thing that sticks out to me. It was bigger than Abraham. There were other people that God wanted to reach and bless through Abraham. In the same way, God has a vision for your life. But his vision for your life is not just about you. Do you realize that? His vision for your life is bigger than you. There are things that he wants to accomplish in you and through you. There are people he wants to reach in you and through you. His vision for your life includes you, but it's bigger than you. And again, what we see with Abraham is that God initiates and we respond. And here's what I think. And I think, and we don't know because it didn't happen, but I think this. What if Abraham would have ignored God's call? I believe that God would have still accomplished what God wanted to accomplish because God is sovereign. I love what it says in Psalm 115. It says, God is in heaven and he does whatever he wants. That's right. God is in heaven and he does whatever he wants. But here's what would have happened. Abraham would have missed out on the blessing. He would have missed out on getting to be a part of what God was doing. God would have raised up somebody else if Abraham would have bailed. 
But Abraham would have missed out on that special relationship of becoming the friend of God and walking with God in step by faith. Even though it wasn't always fun or easy, he got that blessing. In the same way, if God is calling and we don't respond, I believe he'll still accomplish what he wants to accomplish. But you and I will miss out on the blessing of getting to be a part of it. Men and women of God are not born, they're made. One more example for you. In 1 Samuel chapter 22, I love this story. It's the story of uh, David, who would later become the king of Israel. And at this point in his life, he is hiding in a cave because the, the current king of Israel, King Saul, is trying to kill him, wants to kill him, has put a kind of a vendetta out for him. So David flees out into the wilderness, and he's living and hiding in this cave. And during this time in the cave, it's interesting because throughout, uh, you know, when you study the life of David, you get to study the Psalms that he wrote during those periods of his life that give special insight into where he was at spiritually and mentally at that time. And so during this time when he's in the cave, David writes two Psalms, Psalm 57 and Psalm 142. Psalm 57 and Psalm 142. Feel free to check them out as we're talking. But here's the thing. Those Psalms tell us like where David was at spiritually and mentally. And what we see in those Psalms is that it was a very dark, desperate place. It wasn't a good place where he was at. He was questioning God. He was feeling like he was absolutely alone. He was very lonely. It was very dark. And here's what it tells us there. Uh, something interesting happens there in 1 Samuel 22. Here's David alone in this cave. He's depressed. He's sad. He's questioning, where is God? Why has God let this happen to me? And then some people start coming out to him. He's feeling lonely. He needs some companionship. And so then some people hear that he's in this cave. And so they start gathering to him at this cave called Adullam. Except look at the kind of people who come out to David in the cave. Here's what it says. Everybody who was in distress, everybody who was in debt, everyone who was bitter in soul, I love that, right, gathered to David. Wait, is that good or bad? Like, because here's David in this cave. He's crying out to God, God, I'm lonely. I need some people around me who can come and encourage me and lift my, lift my head and lift my spirit. You know, some people who are strong in their faith, people who can speak encouraging words into my life and help me feel better. And so God sends him some people, except look at the people God sends him people who are depressed, people who are unsuccessful, they failed at life, they're broke, and they're bitter in soul. We have a word for that today. We call these toxic people. And how often do you hear people say, you know what I need in my life is to, I need to be around less toxic people. Now here's David surrounded by 400 toxic people. And they're, they're broke, they're bitter, they're depressed. Some are running from creditors. They failed at life. 400 of them. And I wonder if David was thinking, man, i, I should be careful what you ask for because maybe I was better off alone by myself rather than being surrounded by 400 losers. I need some encouraging people to come and encourage me and this is what God sends me, just a bunch of losers instead. Thanks a lot. But notice what it says there in verse two of 1 Samuel 22. It says that these people came to David and David responded how he became captain over them. He became the king of the losers. He became their leader, their captain. He had wanted somebody to come and minister to him and encourage him, but instead, God sent him people who needed to be ministered to by him. 
And as David ministered to those people, his own heart was encouraged. And I just want to tell you that that is always what happens when you serve God with the things he's given you, right? So many, so many times we tend to think, I need somebody to encourage me. I need somebody to build me up. And a lot of times what God will give you is he'll say, okay, here's an opportunity for you to teach the gospel to these kids. Here's an opportunity for you to contribute in your community group. Here's an opportunity for you to serve in this area, in this way. And as you are pouring out, you will be blessed as a result. In the end, you will find that you're the one who's built up and blessed as you pour out. See, David took these 400 men, these 400 losers, and he spent time with them, and he led them day in and day out for years. And this group of losers, you know who they become later on? They're called by a different name in 2 Samuel and in, in 1 Chronicles. They're called David's mighty men. They're called David's men of valor. See, we read about them later on in 2 Samuel and 1 Chronicles. And here's what it tells us in, in 2 Samuel and 1 Chronicles. Listen to this. Same guys. They were mighty. They were experienced warriors, experts with the shield and the spear. Their faces were like the faces of lions who were swift as gazelles upon the mountains. It says in 1 Chronicles chapter 12 that these mighty men were filled with the Spirit of God. The same guys. They became famous for being filled with God's Spirit, for being courageous and skillful. The same guys. Can you believe it? Those losers, 400 of them. That's who they became, but it's not how they started out. They became mighty men of valor, but they started out as people whose lives were an absolute mess. See, when God looked at those 400 men, he didn't just see who they were. He didn't just see broke, depressed people. You know, what he saw is who they could become. He had a vision for their future. Throughout the scriptures, we see stories of people who weren't that amazing, but God took them and made them into something great. But here's the other thing. It didn't happen overnight. It didn't happen overnight. There was a process. In addition to the call of God, in addition to your response to God's call, there's something else that takes place in the meantime, and that is what we want to talk about next. That is the walk. So let's talk about our second and final point, which is the power of walking. So a few years ago, I went to the doctor. The doctor told me there's a history of diabetes in my family. He said, so you need to start working out. So I looked at all my options, and I decided to start running because running takes the least amount of time and it costs the least amount of money. So that's kind of the only reason I chose it. I didn't particularly like it. I was just like, whatever, I can just get it done and get it over with and it doesn't cost me any money. So I started running and since I started running, I've started to love it. But the other thing is I now have a hard time walking because every time I'm walking somewhere, I'm thinking, well, I could just get there a lot quicker if I just ran over there, right? See, the thing about walking is it's, it's really boring and it's not very glamorous and it's not exciting and it doesn't elevate your heart rate. It doesn't make you excited. It doesn't even make you breathe hard most of the time. And yet that in itself, the unglamorous nature of walking, the fact that it doesn't get your heart rate up, that's actually part of what makes walking so powerful. You see, a step is a small thing. Nobody's gonna clap for you if you take a step. It doesn't take a lot of energy. It's not fast. It doesn't, you know, it's not flashy. But if you keep taking steps, one after another over time, you can cover great distances. You can climb mountains. You've been listening to a message by Pastor Nick Cady of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We'll get back to the remainder of this message in a moment. We are open for in-person worship on Sunday mornings at 8, 9.30, and 11 a.m., we have implemented procedures to ensure your safety as we gather for worship and studying God's Word. Come grow with us on Sunday mornings, online or in person, 
at 8, 9.30, and 11 a.m. Now, back to Pastor Nick with the remainder of today's message. I mean, that's how our ancestors got to North America, right? Those who walked over the Bering Strait, they walked. See, walking in the Bible is a really important metaphor that's used to describe what a relationship with God is meant to be like. It's used throughout the Bible, throughout the book of Genesis. The way a relationship with God is described is it uses this phrase, he walked with God. Enoch walked with God. Noah walked with God. Abraham walked with God. Zechariah walked with God. What does that mean? Throughout the Bible, again, this word walk is used to describe a pattern of life. That's what it is, a pattern of life. Phrases in the New Testament like walking in the light, walking in darkness. It describes a pattern of life. And here's what walking implies. Walking implies continual, small actions that lead somewhere. Isn't that it, right? Walking is about continual, small actions that lead somewhere. And if you look at these three examples we've looked at this morning, how did these people become, how did they go from who they started out as to who they became? How were their lives transformed? How did they, how did God's vision, how was God's vision for their lives fulfilled? Here's how. Continual, small actions that led somewhere. See, the disciples spent every day with Jesus, taking in his teaching, observing him, following his instructions, applying his teachings. And as they did those mundane actions, day in and day out, they were absolutely transformed. As Abraham walked away from his pagan life, literally walking away from his pagan life, his home country, it probably felt tedious and painful and slow and like he wasn't really making a lot of progress one step at a time. For a while, I'm sure you could look over his shoulder and still see his hometown right there on the horizon. It felt like, am I ever going to make any progress at all? But then after a couple of years, he ends up all the way in North Africa. Why? Because you can make a lot of distance if you just keep moving, if you just keep putting one step in front of, in front of the other. Continual, small actions, putting one foot in front of the other, continually, consistently. Uh, pretty soon, his old life disappeared behind him. And within a few years, he was so far away in a new place that his whole, it was a whole new life, a whole new identity. As David had this band of 400 losers, they spent morning and evening in this cave of Adullam. David taught them and trained them. At night, they eat together. David's reading his psalms to them. Hey, guys, this is what I wrote as I poured out my heart to the Lord. He's encouraging them about God. And slowly, over the course of years, they stop being losers, and they become mighty men of valor, skilled men who are filled with the Holy Spirit. That place, the cave of Adullam, it ceased to be what it once was. It became something else. It took on a whole new identity. In the beginning, you know, David saw this cave as a curse. Why am I here? I hate it here. I don't want to be here. But by the end of his time there, did you know David didn't want to leave? It says at the end of this section, a prophet came to David and said, David, you have to leave this place. And David was like, I don't want to. And he said, you have to. And by the time David leaves, he stops referring to that place as a cave, and he actually calls it a stronghold. This is my stronghold. This is my castle. This is the place where I am strong. And, and again, why? That place that he didn't want to be originally turned out to be a blessing. This was the time in David's life when he was closest to God, when he was the strongest spiritually. Ironically, it's later on in David's life when he's living in a palace, not a cave, that he ends up having his weakest time spiritually, where he falls and he's weakest. And how did David go then from strength at the cave to weakness in the palace the same way, one step at a time? 
It happened one step at a time. It didn't happen overnight. And my question for you today is this. Will you take God's hand and walk with him? Will you take God's hand and walk with him? Walking is about continual small actions that lead somewhere. And over time, they compound. You know, Albert Einstein said that compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. He said it's incredible. If you just keep doing it, it compounds over time. I, I ask you to imagine five years in the future. See, again, we often overestimate what can be done in the short term, but we underestimate what can be done in the long term by continual small actions that lead somewhere. So often times, right, you and me, we're like my friend on the internet who worked out and ate well for one week and then gave up. We, we do something with a lot of intensity for a short time and then we give up because we're burned out or we don't see the changes that we thought we wanted to. We're looking for a quick fix, just add water, right? Microwave for one minute. If you go to this conference, if you read this book, it'll fix everything. And then we say, oh, well, I tried that and nothing worked and I guess nothing works. Here's why. You can thank Bruce Lee for this one. This is straight from Bruce Lee. Long-term consistency trumps short-term intensity every single time. Long-term consistency trumps short-term intensity every single time. If you want to grow as a Christian, here's the key. It's not glamorous. It's not just add water. Here's the key. Walking. Walking is the key. That's what the Bible says. Continually, small, steady, consistent actions that lead somewhere that lead to the right place. I want to challenge you to do this. I want to challenge you to commit. Be at church every Sunday this month. I want to challenge you, read your Bible every day. Did you know? Just two chapters. If you read the Bible, two chapters a day. You can read more if you want to, but read two chapters a day. You know what? In five years' time, you will have read the Bible three times. And how, think about how much knowledge you will have of God's word. Think about how well you will know it if you read the Bible three times in five years. Two chapters a day. Small, continual actions compounded over time. I want to challenge you to join a community group, and I want you to just commit to showing up. Just show up every time. Just show up, and at the end of the cycle, here's what will happen. You will have read the Bible more. You will have been prayed over more. You will have met more people than you would have if you had not joined a group in the first place. There was a study done in Australia a couple years ago looking at the effects of sunscreen. They had two groups of people. The one group of people was given SPF 50, which you think SPF 50, wow, that, that's effective stuff, right? And what they told the people is, every time you're about to go outside into the sun, you know, if you're going to have exposed skin, you're going to be out in the sun, then cover yourself with SPF 50 and uh, do that for five years. So over five years, they tracked these people. Now, the other group was told, you're going to use SPF 15. You're like, SPF 15, doesn't that actually make you more sunburned, you know? Like, so SPF 15, but here's what they told them. We want you to put it on every single day, whether you go outside, whether it's rainy, whether it's at night, we don't care. Put on SPF 15 every time you wake up, every single day, no matter what. So it is for five years. It took pictures of them, and then they examined those pictures with computers. And what they did is that the people who use SPF 50 showed kind of the normal progression of aging that you would expect over five years' time. But the people who used SPF 15 every single day, even when they didn't think they needed it, showed no visible signs of aging. Consistency trumps intensity every single time. See, we often use this phrase, don't we? We talk about going through the motions. Oh, I don't want to just go through the motions because going through the motions is a bad thing. Guys, going through the motions is only a problem if you're going through the wrong motions 
right? Getting stuck in your ways is only bad if your ways are bad. If, you, if your ways are good and helpful, if they're, they're the right ways, then getting stuck in them can actually be the best thing that could ever happen to you. See, there's this thing, this set of actions, which historically in the church have been called spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines, they're taught in the Bible. Jesus himself modeled them for us. They're things like prayer and studying the Bible, giving, serving, taking communion, these things. And I've met a lot of people these days who say, I don't want to be religious. I don't want to be legalistic about those things. So I just do them sporadically, like whenever I'm, I feel like it. Now, I just want you to know, doing those things consistently, that's not legalism. Legalism is when you try to do something to manipulate God. But we're not talking about manipulating God. We're talking about a trajectory for our life. We're talking about actions that lead somewhere. What we're talking about is taking small steps continually that lead you somewhere over time. This is the nuts and bolts of how God practically transforms our lives and takes us from where we are now to where he desires us to be in the future. This is how God's vision for our future is met, one simple step at a time, over time. So whatever path you're on right now, the way to get on God's path is one step at a time. And over time, you find yourself further down the road. What if you devoted the next five years to pursuing God, to knowing him, to doing his will? God promised, if, if you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. How do you do that? What does that look like practically? Small steps consistently over time that lead you in that direction. Hey, look, here, here's the deal. God has a, has a vision for your future. Just like the 12 disciples, just like with Abraham, just like with David's mighty men, he has a vision for your future and who he would like you to become and how he would like to use you in the world for good and for his purposes. God is calling you to be a disciple, to be transformed, and to be used by him in his mission. How will you respond? You know, one of the things that's really popular these days is this thing called life planning, right? So life planning, they always tell you this. Imagine your funeral and imagine what you want people to say about you at your funeral and then work backwards from there and that should affect the way that you live and act today. But I want to tell you this. If we look through God's word, what we see is that the end of your life here on earth is not the end of you, which means that the, problem, the only problem with life planning is it's not thinking far enough out. See, we want to look beyond your funeral. We want to look to eternity. And we want to think backwards from there. Because of eternity, we want to live in light of eternity. And what that means is that if you have not yet given your life to God, if you've not yet said yes and embraced the gospel, do that. Because this life will be over and your soul will live on forever, somewhere. And we want you to live with God in heaven forever in his holy city. So receive the gospel. As we said earlier, salvation is, is being saved from the penalty of sin, from the power of sin, and ultimately from the presence of sin. But here's the other thing I want you to know, is that if you have put your trust in Jesus, you, you start with eternity in mind also, right? Because one day, you and I are gonna stand before God and we're gonna give an account of what we did with the time and the things that he gave us. Now, a lot of times people use that and it almost sounds like a threat, right? It almost sounds like an ultimatum, like, hey, one day you're gonna stand before God. But I wanna tell you, that should not be an ultimatum. That should be something that thrills your heart and excites you. You know what it's like? It's like kids having show and tell in kindergarten. We're gonna get to stand before our father, not for punishment for what we didn't do, but for reward for what we did with what he gave us. We get to be like kids and say, look, here's what I did with what you gave me. And he's gonna pat us on the back and, and embrace us, right? And that is an exciting thing to look forward to. What can I do with what he's given me to bring honor to him and to help other people? I don't know about you, but I long to hear those words of Jesus. Well done, good and faithful servant. 
See, you and I don't have the power to transform our lives, but here's the good news. God has given us that power within us by his spirit. Paul says in Ephesians 1 that the same power that raised Christ from the dead, if you have put your trust in Jesus and embraced the gospel, that same power resides in you by the Holy Spirit. And so by his power, we can do these things that he's calling us to do and we can become the people he's calling us to be. May it be so, amen. Lord, we thank you for these stories that we have of people whose lives you transformed. And thank you, Lord, that it encourages us that no matter where we've been and no matter where we're at, Lord, you have a future and a plan for us. And Lord, we just want to walk in that. We want to experience it. And Lord, we ask that your will be done in our lives. Lord, your will be done in our church. Lord, we ask for your will in our lives. Help us to be those who respond to your call, who take your hand and walk with you and go where you're leading us. And so, Lord, may this year be characterized by that, by giving all of ourselves to you. Thank you, Jesus, for putting your spirit inside of us and giving us the strength to take these steps. We pray that you would do so and that we get to experience these things in Jesus' name. You've been listening to Be Set Free, the radio outreach of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We have three in-person services on Sunday mornings at 8, 9.30, and 11 a.m. And our 9.30 and 11 services are live streamed on our website for those who would like to worship with us online. We are located just east of County Line Road and Highway 119 at 2950 Colorful Avenue in Longmont. For more information or to hear other messages from Pastor Nick, visit us online at whitefieldschurch.com. Be Set Free is a listener-supported program. If you have been blessed by this message and would like to support this ministry, you can send a donation via check to 2950 Colorful Avenue, Longmont, Colorado, 80504, or donate online at besetfreeradio.com.